Well, thanks for being here this morning. Um, as, as the kids go out, we're continuing our Game On series. We're almost done. Okay, we're almost done. So if it hasn't been as fun for you as it has been for us, uh, just bear with us another week or so, um, and then we'll be good. And, and just to recap, I want to touch base with what we have covered so far. Uh, the first one was, was TAG. You guys remember that way back when? I've slept a couple times since then. Uh, but but the, the, along with every game, we try to give a life app. Uh, that goes along with that, something that we can apply and take with us throughout the week. Uh, and the life app for week one was Tag You're It. Matt, Matt preached an awesome sermon um, about what to do next, about taking the next step and involving somebody else and, and being that person who is a getter and a bringer. Uh, and then we talked about our words and the power of our words. And I said to, to watch your heart because out of the heart, the abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words that we speak come from what is inside of our heart. And then Matt shared with us uh, the game of Monopoly. Uh, and he encouraged us to be a trader of our time, talents, and resources um, financially uh, and physically and spiritually. Uh, and then last week, uh, he talked about Candyland. And of course, I tuned in to Candyland because I like candy, as you can tell. I mean, you don't get this kind of body overnight. You have to indulge in some calories and uh, Skittles are really delicious. Um, and so that's just kind of where I am. But his deal was have a fresh outlook on life. Sometimes it, it just takes you to step back and breathe a little bit uh, and then go forward. And so today uh, we're talking about a board game that really involves no skill whatsoever. Um, and so if you're competitive, you might not want to play it. And that's me. I'm competitive, which is kind of a, a flaw because I don't really have a reason to be competitive. Uh, I don't really win anything. I don't root for teams who do win a lot of stuff. Um, and so being competitive is, is not a good thing for my nature. Uh, but Sorry is the board game that we're talking about today. Uh, and, and the byline to Sorry, it's Sorry, the game of sweet revenge. Anybody play Sorry in here? How many of you guys have played that game? Really simple and kind of dumb, okay? And so you have these pawns. For those of you who haven't played it, you have these little, uh, these little pawns who start out in your, your start, and you have to get them all the way around the board and back home before everybody else does, and you have four of them. But the trick is you don't rely on any kind of skill or anything. It's just luck of the draw. You draw cards, and you do however many numbers, and at some point in that game, it is inevitable that your pawn will be kicked off the board and put back into its start. And then you have to draw cards, you know, you wait for the two card or the 12 card or whatever dumb card you have to draw, and then you get out and you go. And so uh, if you're like me when you play that game, you, you plot in your mind about how you're going to exact revenge on the people, whether in the board game or real life, uh, who, who started you over um, when you were almost there at the home, okay? Uh, and, and I think that, uh, that, that sorry is a great example of the Christian life. And I know it may be a stretch, but, but in reality, the fact of the matter is there are some people in your life who are going to offend you, right? They're going to do something to cause you to be upset. They're going to do something to get under your skin. They're going to do something uh, to, to incite resentment toward them from you. Uh, and the odds are in favor that there's somebody in this room who has already done that to you. Uh, and, and if you're, you're married, um, don't nudge your wife or your husband, Okay. Um, I've already gotten in trouble for making a comment about my wife in the early service, and so I have to live out this sermon when I get home. Um, but it's important for us as believers, and that's, that's primarily who we're going to talk to this morning, is our, our, our Christ followers, on how we handle life together. Um, and a big part of life together is, is learning how to forgive one another. Uh, and, and we're going to be in Matthew 18, so if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, um, turn to Matthew 18. If you don't, that's perfectly fine. There is a black hardback Bible in the pew back in front of you. Um, and if you're on the front, eh, we're a Baptist church, nobody's on the front. So, 
Don't have to worry about reaching behind you and getting one. Matthew chapter 18 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, and, and forgiveness, before we get started and read scripture, I want you guys to understand what forgiveness is. And, and we all know, but just a simple definition from Webster's is to give up resentment of or claim requital for, to cease to feel resentment against an offender. To forgive, right? I mean, it's, it's easy to explain. You have a debt against you and you choose to erase that debt. Somebody has wronged you in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and you do what you can to make that right between you and that person. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about this morning. And the bottom line is this, we love to be forgiven, right? It may take a little bit of, of humility from us uh, to ask for forgiveness, but it's really fun to get forgiven because all things are new and you don't have to do anything to receive it. You just ask for it, right, and they give it to you. But it's a lot harder to give that forgiveness out. It's a lot harder to, to have somebody who is wronged you look you in the eyes and say sorry and you actually be big enough to forgive them. And so that's kind of our, our vein this morning. It's where we're going to be uh, talking about how we can handle those things. And so if you guys wouldn't mind, we're going to read uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. If you wouldn't mind standing as we honor the reading of God's word together this morning. Matthew 18, verse 21 says this. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the way that your word exposes issues of life and we pray that we can uh, just glean from that wisdom this morning, God, and I pray that the words that I say will be hidden behind the cross and that we could be impacted by what you have for us today as we worship you uh, through the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So the parable of the unforgiving servant um, and, and I think it, it teaches us a few things, and so we'll, we'll look at three things that it teaches us, and then I'll give you the life app, and we'll get out of here. And I promise it sounds like it's going to take forever, um, but it really won't. Um, you'll be, well, I'll tell you what, I guarantee you'll be out by the time the Cowboys play today, okay? They play at 7.30 for anybody who doesn't know that. Um, so, so here's the deal, all right? You have, uh, just, just to give you a little bit of context, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, Jesus is talking to the disciples. That's his audience here. So when you look in, in verse 1 of 18, it says that 
the disciples came to Jesus and they asked who the greatest in the kingdom was. And so he uses all of chapter 18 and it's a conversation between he and his disciples. And so the, the, the direction we're coming from is, is the issue of forgiveness among believers. And so in 15 through 20, Jesus is addressing that. What do you do if your brother sins against you? What do you do if he does something uh, that, that, that offends you? Um, how do you handle that? And so Jesus, in, in those five verses, um, lays that out, and that's kind of where we get the model of church discipline, okay? Here's how you handle it. Handle it by yourself, and then bring somebody else in, and then if it doesn't get solved, bring it before the church, and then at that point, um, whatever, okay? And so, um, so Jesus lays that out. That's what brings up the question that Peter asks. It's not just... Uh, one of those things were just out of the blue, but he, he does say, and I can almost see it really um, just, just like his, his personality, right? If you know anything about Peter, he's kind of eccentric. He's just uh, almost really annoying. You guys know annoying people, right? You can nod your head, right? I won't look. If you don't know annoying people, uh, you can sit down here, and I'm sure some of these um, will get at you. Um, somebody sneezed on my neck a while ago before I came up here. Uh, anyways. Um, but that's who Peter was. He was just kind of an eccentric dude. And so he comes up to Jesus and he asks what he thought was a rhetorical question. And he said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody who offends me? Seven times? And he, he thought he was doing well because the rabbinical teaching of that day and age said that three times, just three times, that's all you had to forgive. And so the, the issue, if, if somebody offended you in the same way three times, the fourth time you were free and clear and you didn't have to hold them, uh, you didn't have to hold them accountable. They, you could just let them do what they wanted to do and you didn't have to restore your relationship with them. And so Peter thought he was doing great, finds seven, the number of completion in the Bible, and says, Jesus, I know I got it, right? And he's probably just doing this number and looking, you know, back at the rest of the disciples. And Jesus said, no, you're wrong. And Jesus gives us our first point this morning of, of quit counting. Don't count your forgiveness. And he says, Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And now, depending on the translation that you have, mine says 70 times 7, and then um, in the footnotes it says 77 times, okay? And so, so the, the concept is this. Jesus is saying, don't keep record of the wrongs done to you. He'd given Peter and the disciples a, a, um, an outline of how to handle sin against each other, and he said, as long as, as your brother fits into that, then don't count what is done to you. So the issue wasn't, wasn't like, he wasn't saying like, okay, so for the 491st time, keep a tally, and when you get to 491, then you tell that person that he can't be around you anymore, 78 or whatever. The number is not the issue here. The issue is making a habit of forgiveness. And it's a hard thing to do, but if we make a habit of forgiveness, um, then obviously it is, it is easier to forgive when you're wronged. Um, and so don't count your forgiveness. And Jesus' comment was countercultural. It, um, it was radical, so to speak, because it's not what they had heard. And it probably caught not only Peter off guard, but it caught the rest of the disciples off guard as well. And so Jesus uh, goes from that comment and narrows it down to a parable. And a parable, obviously, is uh, an earthly story with a, a heavenly meaning. Um, and, and Jesus says that. He says uh, in verses 23 through 27, um, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
So not only um, are, are we not to count our forgiveness, but Jesus paints this picture that, that forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness will always cost you something. And you could probably think in, in your mind right now of, of somebody who has wronged you. Uh, and maybe they've, they've cheated you out of some money or maybe they've been um, a, 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 an unethical business partner. Or maybe it's your wife or your husband and they've done something that, that you feel like you can't forgive. They treat you a way that you don't feel you deserve to be treated. Maybe it's somebody in the past who has, um, who has done unspeakable things to you uh, and scarred you for life. Maybe it's somebody uh, who's talked slanderously about you or your family. I don't know, okay? But odds are in this size of a room, somebody has some deep-seated anger or hatred or hurt or pain because of the wrongs somebody has committed to you. And it's not wrong to feel that way, but understand that if you're truly going to forgive, it's going to cost you something. And I think that the number one thing to understand is, is that, that it, it could cost you money, right? And when you look at this parable, you see that it cost, the, the forgiveness that the king issued the servant uh, was a lot of money, okay, a lot of money. And now it, it's hard to quantify it in, in our numbers today because we don't think in talents and denarii, but, um, but I had to do a little math. Um, and, and one of our students was here on Wednesday and she was doing some freshman algebra and I said, you know what, you're never going to use this in real life. And then on Thursday, I had to use that in real life. Um, so I'll take it once you'll have to use that in real life, okay? Just choose wisely when you want to do it. Um, but after doing the math, um, 10,000 talents, okay, in, in this passage um, equates to about $16 billion dollars. $16 billion. Now, I'm sure some people have offended you, um, but if they've ever cheated you out of $16 billion, um, then I would be worried. As a matter of fact, I don't want to know because probably that money came from somewhere illegal. Um, I will, however, turn my cheek if you want to give a tithe to the church, though, okay? <laughs> because goodness knows we could, uh, we could use it. Um, but, but, but the issue is, is this, okay? Forgiveness costs something. And while Jesus illustrated it with, with money, a debt that could never be paid, um, it's not only money that it costs us. It can cost us our, our relationships with other people. I don't know why you keep forgiving that person. You're dumb for doing it. Don't do it. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on whatever. I don't know. But, but it could cost you relationships. It could cost you your feelings, right? But I think the most costly thing uh, when dealing with forgiveness is that it costs us our control, Man, don't you like having control of things? You like being in control? I remember when, uh, when I was like in middle school, going into high school, I felt like I was in control. I had my life planned out, right? I wanted to be a baseball player, yeah? And uh, I couldn't hit the curveball or the fastball or the changeup. Uh, <laughs> and so there was no future for me there, but, but I, I wrote my future. And I remember um, having my life planned out. And then I remember coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I remember one night laying in my bed thinking, it's not you. This is not about you. You're not in control of things. And I remember it was the most fearful feeling and also the most comforting feeling at the same time to realize that I'm not in control of the situation, that God has things worked out um, in his sovereignty and God will take care of me. Uh, and I think in these issues of forgiveness, it's the same thing. I think back to Joseph, um, and, and I would encourage you, if you have some free time this afternoon, um, Cowboys don't play until tonight, so you have some free time this afternoon. Um, whether you love the Cowboys, you hate the Cowboys, you always want to watch them because you don't want to see them win or get beat. So, um, so this afternoon, I would encourage you, read in Genesis chapters 37 through 50, and it's a long read, but it's a good read. And it's a story of Joseph. 
Um, and for those of you who don't know the story of Joseph, uh, he was his father's favorite son who had some dreams that he translated. Uh, those dreams painted him in a great light, his brothers uh, in an unfavorable light. They caught wind of it, and they ended up plotting to kill him and then res uh, resorted to selling him into slavery. Okay, and so the story of Joseph starts with him being sold into slavery, uh, lots, of, lots of peaks, lots of valleys, but ends with him uh, being in uh, being the, the, the king's right-hand man, okay? They were in a time of famine, and he was the one who controlled who got the food and who didn't. And so he was in a prominent position, a position of power. And so 20 years after he was sold into slavery by his brothers, the people that should be fighting for him instead were fighting against him, and they, they sold him into slavery, and a 20-year journey uh, led things full circle. And so Joseph is standing there, with the ability to control the fate of his brothers who were begging for food, who were in front of him uh, in, a, in an act of humility and an act of desperation. Uh, and he had the opportunity to, to do to them what they were going to do to him, to kill them, to erase them from the earth, to give them the payment that they probably deserved. But you know what Joseph did? Joseph realized that, that he didn't really have control anyways. And he said these powerful words to his brothers um, at the end of the book of Genesis. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And man, what a powerful statement. And it's hard to think that some things that have happened to us, some unspeakable things, some things that really put us in negative light with other people, God would mean those things for good. But God has a plan for you. And when you begin to realize that, it's a little bit easier to let go of that control. It's a little bit easier that though it costs you something and it's painful, Right? Joseph, uh, when, you, when you read the, the encounters of him with his brothers, there were multiple times where he had to actually remove himself from their presence so that he could go and weep. And he would weep until he can control himself and come back and, and handle business. So, so there's deep-seated pain and emotion in what they did to him, but he still gave that over to God. He realized that God had a purpose and God had a plan, and it was better than anything that he could levy on his brothers. God will exact justice. God will take care of your mess. Um, and even though what they did was evil, God worked it out for good. So it's important for us to understand that, that forgiveness is costly. Um, and, and though it may cost us money or time or whatever, um, it, it costs us control. And that's a scary thing, right? That's a really scary thing to me. Uh, Timothy Keller wrote this about forgiveness. No one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly. So forgiveness is definitely a costly thing. Um, and I would submit to you this, that as a believer, um, not only is forgiveness costly, but forgiveness isn't an option, okay? Forgiveness isn't an option. The uh, scripture says in, in the last part of that, uh, passage, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. So you have the person that was forgiven much, not willing to forgive the person of little. And now a uh, hundred denarii was about a, a third of a year's worth of wages. Okay, so it was still a sizable amount of money but it was nowhere near the amount that, the, that the, the one servant owed the king, okay? And so he, he forgot about his forgiveness um, and, and really took it out on the other person, put him in prison and all that. And so uh, it says that, that uh, the other servants 
heard that, told the master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So when I say forgiveness is not an option, I don't want you to think that, that you literally have no option. What I'm saying is it's your responsibility. It's your requirement as a believer. So you do have a choice. You can choose whether or not to forgive that person who wronged you for whatever the offense, okay? But your, your physical uh, choice is outweighed by your spiritual obligation. And your spiritual obligation is to forgive those people, period. Plain and simple. It's not something that I've formulated and, and written in here so that, well, that this is something that I don't like to preach because I don't like to live by it, okay? Uh, it, it's something that we're required to do. And so Jesus even says uh, in, in Matthew 6, 15, um, he says that to be forgiven, we have to forgive. That to be forgiven, you must forgive others. And it goes uh, against what we know about God and about how we, we receive our salvation because we don't work for our salvation. It's not a do this or do that. But I think what Jesus is saying here, and it's important not to miss out on it, is that if we are forgiven, if we're truly forgiven, if we truly have accepted that forgiveness that Jesus has levied upon us, then we will forgive other people. You have a hard time forgiving? Are you a bitter person? Maybe you should check your relationship with Christ. Don't throw a tomato at me, okay? I'm up here preaching God's word. Paul writes this about the new self in Ephesians 4.32. He says that we're to be kind one to another, that we're to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Then he addresses uh, the new self also in Colossians 3 verse 13. He says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Forgiveness isn't an option. It mirrors the character of God. Okay, and, and that's, that's our goal. That's our job, to, to be um, Christ followers in our world. And, and obviously Christ sacrificed himself for us that we may receive that forgiveness. And so uh, it's, it's easier said than done, right? It's absolutely easier said than done to forgive somebody else. And you can probably think of a few people in your head right now that you think, man, it is, because I don't like that person. I don't want to be around that person. I don't want to talk to that person, and he is a jerk. And then you stop looking at me, and you start looking at somebody else, right? Braxton got it. Um, but sometimes forgiveness does feel impossible. And I remember the story of, of a lady named Corey Tinboom. Anybody familiar with, with her story? Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, she was a Christian uh, who, who lived in, uh, in the time of World War II, and she was part of a Dutch family that were watchmakers. Um, and one day, a, a Jew running from the Nazis stumbled upon, um, came to their house, and, and they offered refuge for that person. And then word got out, and so they, they became a, a safe place for Jews fleeing from the Nazis. And so her and her family in this big compound had these Jews, and they would hide them uh, and take care of them to protect them from, um, from death. Well, the Nazis found out about it, and they seized um, Corey and her family, uh, including her sister, Betsy. And Corey and Betsy ended up being together um, at a prison camp, a work camp for women, uh, Ravensbrück. Uh, and they were there for, I believe, a couple of years. 
And her, her sister actually died in captivity there. Just before the Allied forces came uh, to free them, um, she died there in, in captivity. Uh, and after the war, after she was released, she traveled and spoke about her faith, uh, how she led Bible studies during that hard time, how she was a, an example of Christ uh, when, when nothing good seemed to be in her situation. Um, and so she writes this, uh, this in her, uh, one of her chapters in her book uh, called uh, Tramp for the Lord. Okay, um, and so she traveled around and she spoke at different churches to different groups of people, uh, and this is an account of one of those encounters. It was 1947, and I'd come home from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was a truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And even though I cannot find a scripture for it, I believe God then places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a cap with skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. That place was Ravensbrook, and the man who was making his way forward had been a guard, one of the most cruel guards. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men of their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart. Forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling, and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust out my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I'd never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even then I realized it was not my love. I had tried and I didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, what a powerful story of a broken individual offering forgiveness to another broken individual. 
And you know, I, I don't know where your heart is. I don't know who has wronged you, okay? But I can tell you this, it, it's not an option. Forgiveness isn't an option. It's one of those things that is a necessity because it mirrors who Christ is, who God is to us, uh, and it, it is a, a necessary thing for us to do. Powerful story of Corey Tinboom. I'll tell you, finish this statement for me. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. That is conventional wisdom of the day, right? Forgive and forget. How wrong is that? Are you serious? Like, can you really expect that to happen? I remember when I was a sophomore in high school. I think that was probably like 15 years ago or so. Um, there was this guy, and he and I were really good friends, and we were good friends through middle school and into high school, uh, and we were in ag class one day. Um, and ag class, nothing, nothing great happened there, but it was one of my favorite places um, for whatever reason, the outdoors and doing things that I normally didn't get to do. And this particular day, we were working with a wood planer, whatever that was. Um, you held it in your hands, and apparently you're supposed to do this on the wood. So anyways, he was there, and he's like, hey, man, let me have that. And I, well, I'm not done with it. I need to. And then, boom. I mean, plain as day, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. Punched me across the face because I wouldn't give him the wood planer. I'm like, all right, come on, you redneck. Listen, it's not that big of a deal, okay? <laughs> but I tell you, he hit me, and it shocked me, and he got ISS, and I got ISS. And I tell you, if I'd have known I got ISS, I'd have swung, man. I'd hit that wood plane right upside his head. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I seriously do. I remember the, the vice principal who gave me ISS. I remember the teacher. I remember sitting in the, the ag shop bathroom with an ice pack on my lip, hoping that it wouldn't swell up too bad. I mean, I can't risk this getting messed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it was one of those deals that was, uh, caught me off guard. Uh, but I'll tell you what, a couple weeks later, he and I were cool. I guess like dudes do. And, and we made amends and everything was great. And I forgave him for that. I mean, it was just really weird. I didn't know that he was that particular about his tools. Um, but I forgave him. But I tell you what, I remember that vividly to this day. And I'm getting older and older um, every year. Man, I know. You're, you'll get there too, I promise. I promise. Oh, that's my little girl. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is it, it's almost impossible to forgive and forget. There are probably some people in your mind right now that you think, yeah, I remember forgiving them, but I also remember what they did for me to warrant that forgiveness. I remember when they, when they ran out on, on me when, when we, were, we said, I do forever. I remember when uh, they cheated me out of money, or I remember when they took something from me that wasn't theirs, or I remember when they said that about me and my family. And you've made those things right, and they're okay, but it's so hard to forgive and forget. And so I would submit this to you as your life app this morning. Forgive and remember. Forgive and remember. Look back to the first part of the parable. And what Jesus says in the, the first part, she's cute. Um, <laughs> Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Guess who the king is? Who's the king? God. Guess who the servants are? Us. And so when we look at that $16 billion debt that that servant was forgiven, understand that you have that debt as well. That debt was your sin. The debt can't be paid by anybody else. It can't be paid by anything. You can't earn it. You can't work it out. You can't spend enough time in jail to pay for it, okay? It, it's one of those things that has to be forgiven, and God has forgiven you. 
plain and simple. If you're a believer in Christ, God has forgiven you. If you're not, it'd be silly not to accept him today. It'd be silly to turn your back and walk out and say, you know what, I'll just, I'll roll with that debt. You see what happened with the other guy. It's important for us to remember what Christ did on the cross so that we can be willing to forgive other people. Because when you view yourself as forgiven, it's easy. It makes it a little bit easier to do those things that we talked about today. Forgive and remember. Forever truly to learn to forgive, we must learn it from God. We must be first forgiven by accepting the forgiveness extended to us in Christ. Listen, you can, you can forgive in the midst of pain because of what Christ has done for you. Because God gave his son in the midst of pain in his heart, watched him hang on the tree and die for your sins. Because you've been forgiven much, you can forgive other people. You don't have to be in the bondage of unforgiveness and the slavery of bitterness, and you don't have to face uh, the, the jailers in, in the last part of that parable. And the, the interesting thing, when, when the king handed him over to the jailers, that translates as the, the tormentors. And so the, the individual spent the rest of his life in torment because he was holding a grudge against somebody else. You don't have to be that way. Maybe you can think right now, man, I just I can't stand that person. Anytime I think about that person, uh, I, I, I get you know, chills because I'm so mad at them and I can't believe they did that to me and I don't know why they're even here anymore and it just makes me so mad. And those are the tormentors that Jesus delivered that guy over to. And because you've been forgiven, you don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. And so I'm not sure exactly where you are this morning. I don't know who you've got beef with. I don't. I don't know who you need to make things right with, but I can promise you in the size of the room this big, there's somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe they've wronged you in unspeakable ways, but you have to forgive them. It's not an option. Because if you live in Christ, if you call yourself God's child, then we're called to display those characteristics. And forgiveness is like number one, right? That's how we're even here. Uh, and so I want to encourage you this morning as, as we wrap up to understand that that don't, don't count your forgiveness, okay? Understand that forgiveness is costly, but you have to do it. There's no option, all right? And as we remember, let us be led to forgive.